Welcome to the Tech Podcast. Join us as we discuss highly relevant and compelling acquisition topics with highly esteemed industry professionals and attempt to share information with you, the 1102 workforce, program officials, and our contractor friends. We hope that you find our topics and discussions helpful and enjoy this episode of Tech Talks. Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Tech Podcast that we call Tech Talks. I'm your host, Mark Junda, a service director at the VA Technology Acquisition Center. Hope you f- this finds you well. I'm excited about episode two. Our first episode was more of an introduction to our organization with some insights from our senior executive, Ms. Michelle Foster, our TAC Associate Executive Director. This episode, maybe we'll dig a little deeper into the world of acquisition. But before we get into this episode, I do want to share some audio constraints that we uh, currently face. I'm not sure when this will hit the streets and what life might look like at that time, but presently we're in the thick of COVID-19. We've been teleworking for a number of weeks, and we felt it was best to record these episodes remotely through Skype, which might affect the audio just slightly, but I'm sure uh, it'll be adequate and everyone completely understands. So without further ado, let's introduce our topic and our esteemed panel today. When you think of the tech, there's one vehicle that is perhaps synonymous with our name, and that is T4NG. As a large IDIQ where we compete many of our actions and has proven effective over the years. Today I'd like to discuss the interworkings of the vehicle and maybe give a, a slight peek behind the curtain. Uh, I welcome to the show our panel today. First we have Anne-Marie Vasconcelos and Matt Ginty, both service directors who oversee divisions comprised of TAC teams essentially devoted to T4NG work. Uh, Amory has overseen T4NG for a number of years now, and Matt was actually the CEO that awarded T4NG before being promoted to the service director. We also have two contracting officers with us today. We have Dana Newcomb and Iris Farrell, who both have spent a considerable amount of time supporting this contract and are, net, are well known to our T4NG vendors. So welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'll, uh, I'll kick it off here, and uh, maybe Matt, I'll just open up, I'll direct a question to you, uh, just to kind of level set everyone and give everyone an idea of what T4NG is. Why don't you just give a, an explanation or an overview of the vehicle for our listeners? Hey, good afternoon, Mark, and thanks for definitely for having us today. We're, we're all excited to be here. We think this will be a great opportunity to have uh, industry as well as some of our uh, partners at the VA and across the federal space uh, learn more about the vehicle. Uh, so basically, T4 NextGen is the successor contract uh, to the highly successful t- original T4 uh, basic suite of contracts. Uh, we have was awarded in March of 2016 uh, with a five-year base period that is up actually coming up in March of 2021, so about another year. Uh, it has so 10 total years, so there's a five-year option as well. It's a $22.3 billion ceiling overall. Um, we have 28 vendors currently on contract, uh, 16 are SDVOSBs, and 12 are large businesses. Um, basically, the scope of T4 NextGen is very broad, right? And we wrote it that way on purpose. Um, we wanted it to be able to encompass total health IT solutions. Um, we didn't want to uh, be able to, you know, have it so, so niche-based that, you um, all of VA couldn't use it. We wanted uh, to be able to encompass total solutions across the entire enterprise. Um, the other interesting thing about uh, T4NG is that it is a multi-agency contract. So what does that mean? That means basically um, any other agency across the federal space can use the vehicle. Uh, they can do so either through an assisted acquisition in which uh, we provide you know, what we like to call the big A, which is basically uh, cradle to grave, 
um, support from the contracting side, from engineering. Um, we do that at the TAC um, across all our divisions. But if a customer from outside the agency wanted to come and say, hey, can you help us with agile, getting an agile development contract in place, task order in place on T4 Next Gen, uh, we can certainly do that for them. Um, and as well as we can allow direct ordering. So if they say, no, we, we have all this assistance in-house, we just would really like to use your vehicle, um, we can allow for that as well. Um, some of the, the notable um, people that have used uh, the T4 and T4NG uh, suite of contracts are uh, Department of Homeland Security, Customs and Border Protection. We did a big order for them uh, to support um, the screening process that, that they use at ports of entry. Uh, Transcom uh, from DOD. Uh, we helped them put in place, uh, re redesign some of their logistics uh, systems that they use to transport cargo all around the world for the Department of Defense. So some pretty neat and interesting things going on, um, not only here at VA, but across other agencies that are utilizing uh, this vehicle as well. That's great. So essentially an IDIQ, a number of vendors, 28 in this case, and uh, providing IT solutions pretty broad scale. So uh, encompasses a lot. And uh, one might think, well, you know, IDIQs are common throughout the government. Um, every agency has one, and probably every agency has an IT one. So what separates T4NG from uh, from the other IDIQs? What do you think, Amory? So uh, the main focus when we put the original T4 in place was to service our vendor community. We have a mission to not only service our veterans through giving them their benefits, their burial services, but also to support veteran service-disabled, veteran-owned small businesses. So when we put T4 NextGen in place, we ensured that we had both large businesses and a large cadre of SDVOSB vendors that we could that could service our contracts. In addition to that, as part of our evaluation process, we also um, have vendors who gave us the number of veterans they employ. And we continue to monitor that throughout the life of the contract. Every quarter, these vendors come in and they tell us how many veterans are employed. And for every veteran that they employ, above the goal that they originally set when they were awarded the contract, they get points for their past performance. That incentivizes them to continue to hire veterans. We've been hiring veterans um, since the beginning of the contract, and right now there are 29,581 veterans employed by our T4NG Prime vendors. That's actually an increase of 13,342 vendors since the contract was first awarded. That's something that's unique to VA. The use of the veterans employment factor in the evaluation process is something that was never done before across the federal space. And it's something that we would like to see rolled out more because, you know, when you give veterans a job, that's what can really change their life. And so we've seen that really make a difference for people, and we're proud of that under our vehicle. That's neat. So really um, noble to seek out veteran-owned companies to do the work, but even uh, the tech going beyond that and implementing this uh, uh, veterans' employment measurement where uh, they actually hire veterans. So really uh, supporting veterans all the way around. Yeah. I think, Mark, this is Matt. I think, you know, basically having that contractors, right, when we did the original uh T4NG competition to find these vendors, um, we put them through a rigorous process of, of three sample tasks. And those were very, very difficult. And they focused on different aspects. Like, for example, one was about cloud, one was about Vista, one was about telehealth. So really the broad range of things that happened here at VA, right, at that time and still to this day. But basically getting that best of breed vendor pool 
really allowed us to bring in the best of the best. And then these best of the best, now that there's 28 of them, they really are entrenched in VA. They do a lot of our service work, not all of it, but a lot of it. And they know our business, right? They Not the tax business, the VA's business, which is extremely important because at the end of the day, you know, when you hire anybody, you know, you're not going to hire somebody to come work on your house that's never done construction before. You want somebody that, you know, knows how to build a home. You want somebody that knows health IT. Um, and that's what we have here. Uh, and it's a, it's a great group of vendors. Um, they're some of the best in the business from the largest to the SDVOSBs all across the board. And, and they're entrenched in the everyday workings of VA, which gives us a, a distinct advantage, I think, when we're actually looking to procure items. Yeah, and to piggyback off of that, because they're the best in the breed of the VA contractors, they can also respond to our request for proposals quickly. So if we have an initiative that comes down from the secretary, we know that we can get an outstanding proposal from more than one of our vendors as quickly as possible. And currently our poll time on T4, which is published as 45 days, it runs faster than that. And we can usually get things awarded from an actionable package to awarded 43 days. And we've even done some very high-profile acquisitions, such as the Veterans Memorial contract that was awarded in less than 30 days. Wow! So when you're thinking, you know, uh, multi-million-dollar efforts, you could, uh, you know, make the package actionable, uh, from actionable to solicitation, to proposal receipt, evaluation, and award, all that within, uh, you know, mid 40s, 43, 45 days, and even at times, you know, about 30 days. That's that's pretty incredible. Definitely notable about the vehicle. So as I said in the intro, T4NG and the TAC are kind of synonymous. We're really well known for that vehicle and uh, we use it quite often. So there's probably a perception out there that really everything goes through T4NG. Um, how, do you, how do you decide as service directors and as contracting officers whether it fits T4NG? Um, you know, what's the ratio of work that, that goes through there? Dana, do you want to answer that? Sure. So when we receive new requirements packages from our customers, we, we sit with them, uh, we discuss their requirements, and we don't automatically assume that the effort is going to go on to T4NG. Like I think it was Anne-Marie said, we do have a very specific mission at the VA, and that is to uh, promote business to service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses, SDVOSBs. Um, in order to do that, we actually post uh, requests for information on betasam.gov, so outside the T4NG vehicle, to make sure that we're really uh, canvassing all of industry to look for SDVOSBs capable of doing our or performing our requirements, both within T4NG vehicle as well as outside the vehicle. Um, while we're doing market research, we're also canvassing industry to look and see if there's new technolo technology out there or new innov innovations that are being um, accomplished uh, outside an industry, something that may not be potentially available to us under T4NG, um, and also checking to see where we're going to get the most robust competition. Uh, so T4NG is an internal vehicle, so there is a preference to go there, but all of the other these factors um, come into play when ultimately making the decision on whether or not we're going to release the solicitation on T4NG. Um, yeah. we, and when we do release a solicitation on T4NG, there is a high ratio of actions that will go to SDVOSBs. Um, as I think it was Matt was talking about best of breed contractors, we do have very um, very good contractors 
STVOSB contractors under the T4NG vehicle who are very familiar with VA's um, way of doing business and VA's requirements. Um, so it's very competitive within the vehicle. But absolutely, if our market research shows that we would get a better product, a better service, or better competition, um, or a new cadre of SDVOSB vendors outside the vehicle, that is certainly something we take into consideration when ultimately making our acquisition decision. And also, I'd like to point out that we don't set aside everything. Sometimes people think that now VA only uses SDVOSBs, and of course that's not the case. As Dana detailed, we go through pretty extensive market research. Ultimately, our goal is always to get the best product for the agency and ultimately the veteran at a competitive price that would be beneficial to our taxpayers. So if that means going full and open competition, whether it's within the vehicle or outside the vehicle, that's what we do. And our statistics across the life of T4NG, which is now almost in its fifth year, is that while we do have more actions that go to SDVOSBs dollar-wise, it's pretty much a split of 50-50. 50% of dollars go to SDVOSBs and 50% go to all other businesses. And that has been consistent throughout the life of the vehicle. Yeah, yeah, I know, Emory, just uh, I think earlier this week, um, we transitioned a requirement that uh, you on your one of your T4NG teams started working and just felt like maybe there was better competition outside of T4NG and we transitioned it um, to my division to solicit outside of T4NG. So I know that we do look at each one independently and make a, a good judgment call on where the customer will be best served. And oftentimes that is T4NG for all the reasons given, but when, uh, when it's not the best vehicle, um, you know, it's not a one size fits all. Uh, it, uh, we commonly don't solicit there. Actually, I have the numbers in front of me in, in FY19, um, out of the, the spend through the attack of a little under 4.8 billion, um, just under 1.7 billion went through T4 or T4NG. Uh, so that's, uh, that, that's quite a bit of money that doesn't go through there. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity outside of T4NG as well. Um, but I mean, it is still a significant amount um, that goes through T4NG. So probably a lot of vendors are wondering, you know, where their slice of the pie is if they're not on T4NG. Um, uh, you know, how do they break in? So, um, Iris, what would you say to a company that uh, is trying to get in the VA business and uh, they're not on T4NG? How do, how do they get involved? How do they break into VA? So there's always there's always new opportunities, like Dana was saying, with our or requests for information. We post them on beta.sam.gov for any opportunity, and we're trying to determine whether the requirement can go on T4 or off of T4. But as far as when it comes to T4 and breaking into the VA, um, VA, T4NG, we're currently going through an on-ramp, and we are going to have new service-disabled small businesses on the on the vehicle, and there are new companies who are going to be looking for new teaming arrangements. So it's kind of the tables being reset as far as our companies, and there's always new requirements coming out that might need a special specialized service that someone can team with. So teaming is really the way um, to get into T4NG right now, especially with the on-ramp. Yeah, I know when we have vendors come in uh, for our one-on-one uh, -on -one industry days that we um, have at the TAC, that's often a question, how do I break in? And um, joining with a T4NG vendor is uh, commonly an answer, um, trying to partner with them. And uh, like you said, especially now with the on-ramp where uh, teams are being formed, um, definitely opportunity there. Um, 
so, but you, you mentioned something about like niche work. Um, if, uh, you know, there might be opportunity for niche work for some of these vendors. Um, a, a question I get from the customers a lot is they do have niche work and sometimes these, uh, these IT buys are so niche that uh, they're wondering if it's within scope of T4NG and they look at the labor categories and the descriptions that are on there and they might not see something extremely specific like a certain type of cloud architect. Um, if, it's, if it's not listed on there, uh, is it at a scope of T4? How do we handle those kind of niche skill sets that uh, maybe aren't the overtly detailed within our labor categories? Uh, would it be at a scope? Do we handle that somewhere else automatically? That's actually a great question mark because I, you know, we get that quite a bit. Um, you know, obviously technology is continuing to evolve, right? So the requirements of yesterday are yesterday are not the requirements of today, basically. And that requires different labor categories and uh, different solutions. So basically, you know, you have to realize under firm fixed price, there's no constraints to be bound by the labor categories that we have. You can bid any labor category under the sun. Um, you know, if you want to make up a labor category and, and bid it and you have the ability to do that as a vendor, that's fine. Um, you know, under the TNM type task orders, right, the vendors are bound by those labor categories and rates. Um, so if a customer comes to us and goes, you know, I'm looking for that cloud architect, like you mentioned, and they don't see it on there. Well, then I don't want to use the vehicle. It's not going to work for me. Well, that's not true. Um, we have several instances, like I said, since things are constantly changing, where a customer comes and goes, I do need that cloud architect. How can I get there? So the way you get there is basically by adding in what we call a specialized labor category. So it's not added to the basic contract, but it's, just a, it's done at the task order level. In order to do that, it's very simple. All you do is basically work with your contracting team, and you, all you have to do is you know list the labor category in the RTEP or the PWS along with you know, obviously years of experience that you're looking for with that labor category and um, obviously any education requirements that may come along with it, you know, one or the other or both. Um, you know, a lot of times we see nowadays uh, there, some people don't even require a college education for some of this work that they're doing because technology is evolving so quickly and there's more a better suited person that has done it for so many years and doesn't have the schooling for it, but really would be the most qualified. So we see a lot of different things and we have been doing that uh, quite a bit for those customers that, that need it. Interesting, so so fixed price, definitely extremely flexible, able to propose essentially any labor category. Um, and then even on the T&M, there's a, there's a way, if truly needed, um, there's a way to do that at the task order level. So uh, definitely very accommodating. Um, and when speaking of kind of niche categories or, you know, unique actions, um, we might think of kind of innovative procedures for getting those things. Um, have you used the vehicle for innovative evaluation techniques or is a testing ground for anything? Is this like a, in a sense, a playground for you guys? What, what kind of stuff have you done? Yeah, so we've used our vehicle. Um, as people may not know, everyone at the tech has been undergoing DITAP certification. So as a staff, we're highly trained and open to using new and innovative ways of doing evaluations or procuring digital services. And also, as we mentioned before, our vendors are very familiar with the VA, the VA way and their proposal, writing proposals, turning them around quickly. So we're dealing with a sophisticated vendor pool as well as a sophisticated acquisition community at the TAC. So given that, we've been able to 
really try unique and innovative ways, things such as doing demonstrations of confidence ratings. We've even handled uh, the Veterans Memorial that I spoke about before. One of our contracting officers was able to award that without a written proposal at all. It was strictly a demonstration and a role-playing um, you know, that allows us to move quickly, to be agile, to, you know, take this to the next level. You know, these are all unique things that we're trying, and we've had tremendous amount of success. And as we as we try them and our vendors get more used to it, we can continue to push that envelope and, you know, try new innovative evaluations. Yeah, that's good stuff. I think also just having the flexibilities under FAR 16.5 as opposed to uh, maybe being out on FBO or, no, beta.sam.gov. Using FAR 15 procedures, um, probably a little more flexibility in some of those evaluation techniques. But uh, yeah, I've definitely seen your teams do some pretty innovative things um, that's been documented and, and noted on some publications. So uh, good for you guys to, to be doing that in the vehicle and a group, good group of vendors to, uh, to interact in that way with. Um, so let me, uh, let me ask a question. Maybe uh, I'll throw it to the CEOs as um, they might... Uh, kind of see this more at the operational level, but um, I know when we talk to vendors, there's a sense of the incumbent always wins. Um, I don't know that you have data in front of you necessarily, but uh, do you get a feel, uh, Iris and Dana, that the incumbent predominantly wins? Is it worth other companies going after these things? Uh, what, what, what kind of feel do you get when you're competing on uh, T4NG? Uh, this is Iris. In my experience, the 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 incumbent do, does not always win. Um, the tech we take pride in making best value determinations, and we take a lot of time with our customers to go over technical discriminators for their proposals. And by doing so, we're making sure that we're getting the best value for the government and the best technical proposal. You're also running into um, service-disabled veteran small businesses that are no longer, um, they're now large businesses. So we might have awarded the task order three, four years ago, and that the company was a service-disabled veteran small business at the time, and now that we're doing the recompete and that company is a large, the incumbent isn't going to win because we can set the work aside. So that's opening the door for new companies to bid on the work. Yeah, and also, as, as we've spoken about before, by creating um, this IDIQ with these uh, with these contractors, they've now become very familiar with VA requirements. Um, they all have task orders. They're all performing work. It's become a very competitive environment. Um, whereas, if the if we were competing outside the vehicle, we may see um, the same contractor win over and over again because their um, their knowledge as the incumbent gives them so much of an advantage that it, they kind of blow everybody else out of the water. Here under T4NG, I feel like that actual competitive advantage is, is somewhat di diluted um, because all of the other vendors, while may not they may not be performing that specific work, they're still performing work probably of similar nature within the VA and can translate that knowledge and experience and expertise into a very competitive proposal at a very competitive price. And I'd also like to add one additional thing. You know, as Matt said, IT moves quickly. VA itself is undergoing a transition and transformation always. And we're, they're, 
you know, the CIO is trying new and innovative ways to get a better product. So sometimes the incumbent can actually be at a disadvantage because for a recompete, we're actually looking for something new and innovative. We're looking for a different way. And sometimes I've seen incumbents where they just propose the same old, same old. And then when I'm dealing with my technical evaluators, they're like, you know, they obviously got it before, but they're missing that now I want something different. So there is that opportunity for new companies with a new vision, with an with a outside-the-box idea or taking a fresh look at it, where they can come in and really wow that customer and take that business. There's always that opportunity. So people should always try. That's a great point, Emery. I was thinking that same thing and even doing work off of T4, I've sensed that as well as uh, we kind of evolved to more of an agile environment and some companies pick that up quicker than others that uh, our customers are willing to move on to the next company that does that well and not just sit with the incumbent. And I also, as we talked about the uh, evaluation techniques as we evaluate those things, maybe through an on-site demo or have uh, code delivered, um, you know, we're, we're evaluating those things a little better and we can... Uh, we can sort through those companies a little better, uh, which um, does offer more robust competition in my mind. So yeah, all good, all good points, guys. So let me wrap it up here. Um, I do have one question, and uh, I'll put you all on the spot. Uh, the on-ramp is, is underway. Uh, any secret information you can release just to those on this phone call about the that's all. That's all Matt. That's all Matt. <laughs> Matt, give us a little tidbit here. Uh, anything you can share on the on-ramp? I just did. I must have been on mute. Sorry. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Skype did not pick it up, but uh, we we were ready to offer something. No, uh, j just kidding. Um, but it is ongoing, and obviously we can't touch on that. But I uh, hope that uh, this episode was beneficial and helpful to everyone. And uh, join us as we release these episodes. And I uh, look forward to connecting with you here in the near future. Thank you all for being on the panel, and uh, have a great day. As always, we must remind you, the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast, nor any media, products, or services they may provide. We thank you for listening to this episode of TAC Talks and hope you found it helpful. You may direct any questions or feedback to Mark Junda at mark.junda at va.gov. Until next time, my friends, may our contracting officers be given wide latitude to exercise business judgment. May program officials successfully manage contracts to deliver goods and services to our veterans and the American people. And may our contractors support our needs and be prosperous.